We don't mind being patient for it. We don't mind getting to know you in the middle of it. We don't mind letting you all rest and heal and get messy at times. That's, that's part of the fun for us as leaders is entering into the middle of that with you. And so uh, let, it, let it be known that this is also a, a courageous and brave space for you. Uh, Elizabeth and I, we were talking about that social and Christmas s'mores, and she mentioned that there might be some type of dressing up involved. Christmassy kind of stuff. And uh, I immediately thought of like Elf on the Shelf and Buddy and, uh, and, and like onesies and that kind of stuff. And, and so that's not at all what she's probably thinking about. And so <laughs> we will have to have some kind of email to send that out soon. <clears throat> that's why we compliment each other really well. <clears throat> I do want to invite you guys to come next week especially and, and tell folks that have been coming here to come next week because there will be a lot of vision that we are giving, uh, a chance also to see where we have been and where we're going financially. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about the spiritual formation pathway. Uh, go ahead and begin to reserve that third Sunday of every month if you want to be a part of this in the new year. There'll be about a three-hour time that we have once a month third Sunday of every, uh, of every uh, month coming forward, and it's going to be called Flourishing. The, the point of the formational pathway is for you all to know the firm foundation that you have and develop fundamentals for flourishing. So that's a little bit more information about that's coming uh, next weekend, and uh, I expect to find out more of that soon. Um, that's how we are going to be developing you all into uh, Jesus, into being like Jesus, I should say. That's a better way of saying it. And that's our a delight to do that. Uh, if you guys have walked in the Spirit, walked in Jesus for long enough, you've known at times what it's like to have his closeness. And friends, once you know the closeness of Jesus that you didn't know really before, there's no, there's no going back. There's, there's no way that your life is ever the, the, the same again. And it's hard sometimes to tell people about this new amazing relationship and this growing love that you now have within you to those that don't know it because they don't know it. You, you want them to know that when you, when you lay your head down at night, there's one that you can talk to who's with you, who listens to you, and who knows you. And when you wake up in the morning, there's this joy and there's this hope in the midst of all the clouds that we see around us. And, and you want others to know that because it's so unique and special to you. And as you grow in that love over the course of time, you begin to find out that your hands and fingers and ears and all that are, are designed uniquely for an identity that is supposed to express our Father. And we want you all to know how to walk in that yourself and then how to help others to walk in that. And so that's part of our hope going forward. And you do have a unique and a beautiful identity. As Elizabeth and I, uh, we had prayed years ago for, for children and the Lord bless us with that. We wanted to have a big family and it was on our hearts to have very different uh, family members, very different you know, children. And, and all of our girls, if you know them, they're, they're very unique. They're very different. They, they have like a Neapolitan hair color. We have all the way from chocolate dark all the way to blonde, you know, light and strawberry in the middle. And it's, it's a, just a unique family. And they're all very different. And it's a challenge uh, in many ways. And part of the, the, the challenge presents, therefore, the fun of uh, getting to know them. And it's like that for you all. You all are unique and different. And you're supposed to be unique and different. We're not supposed to be formed into the image of the church. We're supposed to be formed into the image of our Father who made us male and female in His image to glorify Him. And so that's, that's part of why sometimes when we have worship times and we want to intentionally create space like this and it doesn't seem like we know what we're doing, it's because we don't know what we're doing. 
We really don't. We, we, what we're doing is waiting on the Holy Spirit and giving him space to move as he wants to. It's his church. If, if I went out on a date with Elizabeth and had a list of things that I was going to talk to her about and gave her 60 seconds on each point to respond to me on, and then I would just move on to the next question, that wouldn't really help out our intimacy much. You know, uh, it, it wouldn't help to know that this is the formula that we are going to go through on a, on a date. And in the same way on a service like this, we're, we're hoping to encounter and meet with Jesus together. And if we are just going to go through the points every single Sunday and just kind of get through stuff, that, that's not leaving much room for us to get to know our Lord well. And so part of what we want to create in a culture of ours is just this elasticity, you know, this, this malleability and flexibility while we get together. And trust one another that the Lord's moving and trust one another that we can pray for one another and that we can receive prayer from one another and, and listen to one another. That's the win in this, is to get to know Him and then love one another through that. And so this is a chance every single Sunday to practice that. And then when you get into your groups that Doreen is helping to organize uh, every week or two weeks, whenever you guys get together, we, we want to practice this. And so our, our large group time becomes an example of what we're really doing on the small group time as well. And we're just we're taking it from the bigger into the smaller and making it more intimate. And that's the rhythm of our life and our community that we're seeing the Lord unfold before us. And so when Peg... When she gave the word just a few minutes ago uh, about the new wine that the Lord is pouring out, we are seeing it. We are meeting with people throughout the week, and we are seeing a new life come forward out of our people. We are seeing people that have walked with the Lord for decades experiencing a newness in their walk with Jesus, an expansion of their inner territory so they can expand into their world even more and bring light into darkness. And it's astonishing. It's a beautiful thing that's happening. And you all are a part of it. And part of what is being asked of us today is to let go more and more of what we have known of the Lord. Not that we're letting go of his love or that Jesus is the son of God or anything like that, but we're letting go of how we may have approached him in the past to see if there's a new way that we can approach him now in the present. And when she was talking about the new wine and we were seeing that there's a crushing and a pressing that brings forth new wine, typically that's the process. We go through periods of squeezing and periods where we feel pressure in life and stress in life. And instead of turning to the world or turning to old patterns and habits, we turn to Jesus relentlessly. And in that squeezing and in that pressing, there comes forth a new wine out of our own lives and a courage to completely drink of that and give that away. A courage that's not built on the ways that maybe we approached him in the past, that would hide our insecurities, hide the way that we can present the Lord in new ways to the world around us. And so we go through the squeezings in some ways to let go of our insecurities and our fears that are out there. Because once you've gone through those stresses and squeezings, we learn how not to trust in ourselves any longer, but trust in God who raises us from the dead. And more and more so, that's what's been happening in our lives. If you look at the U.S. history these last five years and maybe these last 15 years, but certainly these last like four years, there has been a, a national squeezing going on. There's been a national shaking going on. And for all of us, we have experienced the cumulative effect of that. We've also experienced the collateral effect of that in our own unique walks and lives. None of us are untouched by it, whether it's been from COVID or inflation or just being part of people who are infected by those things. 
as we have walked that out in our own life, that presents the squeezing that's out there, the stress of life, this accumulation of cultural stress. And we resist finding a peace or a mollification of our anxieties from the things of this world or the, the former things. Instead, we, we position our lives to pray more, to seek the face of God on our knees, to declare our dependencies on Jesus alone. We let go of the things in the past. We let go of our former vices, and we say, Lord, only you are going to satisfy me. We can even receive wonderful words from our community around us and good friends that mean well in the midst of our struggles. But until we get on our face before God, until we let him be the one that finally touches us, those things truly won't satisfy us completely. It's only when we get into the presence of our Lord and our God and release those things to him that we can experience his comfort, experience his new wine coming into our life. And that's the rhythm of a, of a community that refuses to lead by former ways and patterns. If you guys came in here every single week psychologically expecting to go through the motions, then you can pretty easily also emotionally disengage from what the Spirit might be doing at a time that we gather together. But as we come together and we don't yet know what it is that the Lord's doing, then it presents a psychological and emotional uncertainty that allows you the opportunity to open up to God or hide. And if you've lasted this long with us, you're not ones who hide well. And I praise you for that. I praise God for that. You guys are the surrendered ones. You are the ones who have let go of the former ones, former ways. You guys are the ones who are humble enough and courageous of God to look God in the face and refuse to look anywhere else but his face shining back upon you with delight and favor and giving you his peace and comfort that will have no end and a continual infilling of the Holy Spirit. We are filled daily with the Holy Spirit. We are people that will continuously seek his face. His goodness is not extinguishable. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. The darkness cannot overcome it. And the light that's within you is going to stare out the darkness all around continuously and will not be broken because you look at Jesus. That's who you all are. That's the, the corporate body that is being expressed here at our church, and it's beautiful to see. And so just know as, as a pastor uh, among you, uh, I love you dearly, and I'm so proud of who you guys are in, in the, the, the most humble way. You know, my job isn't to necessarily like be the point person leading. Our job as leaders is to point you always to Jesus. And I feel such pleasure in who you are in seeing this happen week in and week out. The best is yet to come for us. God has our back, as Peg said to us during the meeting, during, the, during her word. Last week, we received a lot of great words. We had them uh, tested over the, the last week. Uh, and, and so I'm going to be putting those on Slack. Uh, and so continuously look on Slack if you guys want to know the words of identity that the Lord is speaking over us through prophecy. Um, he spoke to us last week about being a place where the orphans come. He spoke to us last week about being a place where abundance in the Lord is available to us. And so just know that I'm going to write these things down, but this will be part of our identity statements too. You know, we, we can look in the scriptures and, and find identity. We can also hear from the Spirit, who of course affirms the scriptures and receive identity for today for us. And that's the rhythm that we're going to continue to go by. All right, that's just uh, halfway through the introduction of today's message. <laughs> okay. We have been going through the, the letter uh, of Hebrews, and we're going to anchor into that here in just a bit. To give you some, uh, some strong background before we get into it, 
From the very beginning, we know that God created the earth. He created the heavens and the earth, and there was chaos. And then out of chaos, he forms beauty, life. He forms a garden, and he puts man, humanity, in that garden. And he says, here's the tree of life. Eat this. Here's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat that. If you eat of that, that'll give you wisdom, but it won't be wisdom with me. It'll be wisdom on your own terms, apart from me, and it will eventually lead to death. You'll be infected with, infected with shame, infected with fear, and the results of those things, that you'll, you'll self-protect. You'll become violent. You'll put up walls around people and walls around others. And as a result of these things, eventually you're going to feel isolated and alone and lonely. So don't do that. And of course, Adam and Eve did. And of course, you and I, over the years, have at different times. And we are learning how to put the fruit back on the tree. Jesus, who hung on a tree as the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, because he was perfectly good and all sin was placed upon him. So all the evil of all the world was placed upon Jesus. He became that fruit again on the tree, nailed back. And whenever we turn to Jesus, we give back to him the shame, the fear, the mistakes, the guilt, all those things, the sin of our life. And he willingly and lovingly takes that from us. And so we are forever, therefore, able to eat now the tree of life and become pure and spotless in his eyes. And that's who we are. You and I, because of Jesus, are blameless before God. We, we are clean. We are pure. We are innocent. We are like children now, therefore, able to experience all of the garden and enjoy it and have springs of living water flow out of us because in the garden there were these rivers that came up and they were to be an image of our soul that would have a river or springs bubbling up of the Holy Spirit in our own life. And Jesus showed us what it's like to live as a garden with these rivers of living water flowing out of him, with fruit to come and bring healing to the nations and enjoyment of all the good things of God in, our, in his own life. And that's who you and I are called to be. You are gardens everywhere you go. You are actually called a city on a hill. This garden city of God is us is who we are. We are the picture of Isaiah 60, where the city of God is going to have a light come down upon it. That, that happened with Jesus. Kings would come to its light. Came with the Magi and others. They came to the shining of his light. And then Jesus, walking in the fullness of light, turns to us and says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. A city that cannot be hidden. A light that is to shine on top of a lampstand and not be hidden at all. And this is to be who you guys are at all times, a light for others to see out of the goodness of your own life, out of the union that you have with God. No longer eating of the wisdom of the knowledge of good and evil, but now understanding good and evil from your union with God. And you are going to discern, you are able to discern what is right and what is wrong, what is good and evil, because you are with now the Father. That's a bit of a backdrop to this passage. And if you pay attention to this passage from Hebrews chapter 4, you're going to learn how to transform the world. In, in this passage we're going to talk about is one of the ways that we become transformers. It's one of the ways that we become those who are a city on a hill, a garden to the world around us. And so I want us to look at this passage. It's Hebrews 4, and I've broken it down into three different sections, starting with verse 11. And last week when I was talking, we, we asked the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us. And so this week again, I, I want you to hear the Spirit speaking to you personally. We're going to read the Word of God. You're going to hear me speaking, but it's, 
It's, it's words of spirit and life that I'm giving to you. And so listen to the spirit speaking to you personally, because part of your call is to be one who hears the voice of Jesus and follows that voice. And so you might have to lay aside former ways of approaching the scriptures, former ways of approaching Jesus, as you are a surrendered people wanting to know his life within you. And so in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, we're finishing up this time of rest, and we went over several ways that we can enter into rest. And so in verse 11, let us therefore make every, every, every effort to enter that rest. And so if you are the word made flesh, if the Lord is, is the word in you, you have entered into rest. We just didn't worship the Lord, and so today you're amongst friends. There's no challenges. You can put responsibility aside for tomorrow. Rest for a moment. One of the secrets, I guess you can call it, of, of understanding the Word of God is that you have to experience the Word as you continue on in the Word. And so in Hebrews 4, the earlier parts of it were teaching us how to enter into rest and showing us how important that is. As you stay in rest, the rest of the chapter opens up to you. Okay? If you get out of rest, it makes it a little bit more difficult to remain in the rest of the letter of Hebrews. It builds off of each other. And this is true of, of other parts of the scriptures as well. You, you stay in what the Lord is revealing, and as you do so, the rest of it begins to open up to you. And so we start out in verse 12. It says, For the word, and that word is logos, the word of God is alive, it's active. If you would think of it like this sun, like the star, it's just, it's just you know, there's this helium and and hydrogen is just continuously like splitting and expanding and exploding. That's coming out of the Word of God. It's like power lines of electricity. It's, it's alive and it's active. It's the Word of God. It's in you. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword or double-edged sword. And if you guys can imagine a sword that has two edges, that's, that's exactly what it's like. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Interestingly enough, in this, joints and marrow don't come together. A joint is outside of the bone. The marrow is inside of the bone. And so the joints and the marrow really don't ever come together. The soul and the spirit, no one knows how it comes together. In Jewish thought, and even today, if you ask a hundred scholars, what's the soul and what's the spirit, you'd give a hundred answers. You know, it's, it's a bit of a mystery. We have a soul and a spirit, and they're one together, and trying to find where they are separate is impossible. You know, we are body, soul, and spirit. They're, they're not separate. They're all one together, and yet they are also unique. But you can't tell where they end and where the other begins. The Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, is able to separate those things out, when we, in our limited understanding, cannot do that. Does that make sense? And so it's important to recognize that there's things that the Lord will show you that you can't on your own understand. It's impossible to separate these things out apart from the Word of God. The Word of God comes in and separates things that are inseparable. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid, before, laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And that last word is actually logos again. So different translators translate this last word 
differently. Uh, for the most part, they say to give account. My favorite translation of all, however, because you start with the word of God is alive and active and ends with, therefore, you have to give pros on humane all logos, which is this way of saying from you to the word. Some will say it like this. He to whom the word was given shall be required to give a word in return. To you who have been given the logos, the word of God, as you let it sink inside of you and, and, and sort and sift and, and become alive and active and, and get to know you and expose all things in you, then you can return it back to God or you can hide it. Or you can, you can let it go away. But the logos word is spoken into you. You take that word, you enjoy that word, you let that word become part of who you are, and you can present it back to God as part of who you are now. That, that's to give account. That's what it means to take the word in and you give account of not your life, you give account of the word of God in your life. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and he was with God in the beginning. There was no things before him. For all things were made through him. This is John chapter 1. The logos is that word, word. Logos is a Greek word for a pattern or the logic or the, the overarching, encompassing idea of all reality. So you might want to think of it as uh, like a dressmaker has a, as a pattern they try to go by. Or like gravity is like a law or like a pattern of life. You know, these are inexact ways of describing Logos, but in the mind and heart of God was the Logos, the Word of God. And it presents a pattern of, of all existence. And that pattern is spoken to us, and we receive that Logos, we receive that pattern, we receive that living and active Word that is God Himself. And as we take in that Word, as we get to know Jesus and enjoy Him and begin to let our mind become transformed to that pattern, we therefore have a logos to give back to him that is part of the logos. And so there's a big L logos. It's spoken to us. And as we live it out in relationship to Jesus, we become these little L logoses. And then that's what we give account to. What have you done with the word that I've given to you? Have you taken it? Have you enjoyed it? Have you become part of it? And then have you presented that back to God? Because nothing's hidden from that word, meaning that there has to be, there, there's, there need not to be anything in your own life that doesn't have to have God in it. That's, a, that's a, more of a positive way of saying it. So here's an interesting thing. If you and I, if we eat the, the knowledge of good and evil apart from God, that word up here to discern or judge the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, we might think that means critical. The Greek word is actually kritakos, which means, which is the, the root for critical, you know. And if we have gotten to know wisdom apart from God, we become judgmental, we, be, we become criticizing, we become harsh, we become our own little gods, discerning what is right and evil on our, our terms. And in a world of that, we can feel shame, we can feel judged, we can feel condemned, because that's what it's like to eat the knowledge of good and evil, take the word in, but then apart from God, judge ourselves according to it. And because of that, we will close ourselves off from the logos. We will hide ourselves. We will take on fig leaves. We will put on masks. We will put up walls. Because that's what we think that word to judge and to hold account means in our world, right? 
if you've been a part of the church for long enough, you know, if you've grown up in that way or just been part of our culture, how easy is it to see judgmental Christians out there, condemning Christians out there, critical people out there, always looking for the wrong things in others? This is, according to all the sociological evidence that's out there for studies, this is what people outside the church think of Christians to be like. You know, Barna, George Barna is a famous statistician and, and does a lot of surveys. This is what people think the church, this, this is what people think is actually like to, to judge like Jesus judged, is to condemn, is to, to criticize, is to look at the negatives and stay there on people. But that's, that's not, that, I present to you like a different way of, of, of interpreting this passage. Because if I was to read this passage from the very beginning with that mindset, which I have in the past, I would look at it and said, gee whiz, my entire heart is exposed before God. I'm naked before Him. I'm going to have to give account for it all. I am terrified because I'm not going to measure up. I am nothing before God. I'm condemned. I'm judged. Therefore, I have nothing expect, except a, a fearful expectation of judgment to come. That might be a very natural way for us in that mindset to read this passage apart from God. But remember, we are operating in rest. We are relaxing into our acceptance of the beloved. We have worshipped him. We have allowed his word to form us and to let him know that he delights in us. We are therefore a people who can be calm, become calm in the presence of God. To receive his face, he delights in us. He likes to calm down with us, take his arm around us, and enjoy us. In that place of rest, when you look at this passage, he says, I am giving you my word. This pattern of life that brings forth fruit and life in all parts of your life, I'm allowing that to go into every part of you. I'm allowing my garden, my word, my water to flow into every part of your being. Out of that place of rest and communion, I'm going to speak my word and all of you is going to be Every part of you is going to be transformed, life-giving. You're going to be a blessing to your friends, your kids. You're going to have wisdom to offer in your community. You're going to be able to take the difficult things that the world can't figure out how to help out with, and you're going to be the solution to that. And we know this is true because of what happens in verse 14. Because we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then therefore approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So we are at rest, and we receive awareness of this logic, this word of God, is for us, and we are accountable to God to bring forth fruit. And like all of us, we are coming out of this world of being transformed by the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil on our own terms to this new way of life. And so in doing so, we have to let go of those former ways of thinking and receive instead in that place of weakness that he empathizes with us. That he has compassion for us. He knows what it's like to have weakness. He knows what it's like to be tired and hungry. He knows what it's like in the middle of the night 
and you're not sleeping, to experience the anxiety and the, 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 the fear. Of course, he didn't abide in that. He didn't agree with that. He didn't let it in. But he knew what it was like to have to face those weaknesses and say, Father, here is how I'm being tempted. How can I receive grace today to go on? And then he knows how to exactly provide that same thing for you as your high priest, and no matter what you're going through as well. And so as the word of God enters you and exposes parts of your life that you feel corrupted in, or you feel maybe you don't measure up in, hear in that place his empathy, his compassion, his delight in you. Like, I know what that's like. Let me now take that from you. Let me offer that now on the cross. And let me instead exchange that and give to you my life into that place. That's how we are to walk it out over the course of our life. We have a lot of reasons why we don't always want Jesus into that place. We have shame and we have fear. And so I do understand, and sometimes it's difficult to let that word into those places of our heart. We feel like we have failed. We feel like we haven't had faith enough. We feel like we had enough mistakes. We feel like our consequences are too big to overcome. I understand these things. Uh, early on in my marriage with Elizabeth, I would, I would learn how to confess sin, you know, because I, I never knew growing up that you, like, how to do that. If I ever did something wrong, I didn't tell anybody, ever. You know, I was, I was such a sensitive kid that it terrified me to acknowledge anything that I'd done wrong. And so early on in a relationship, now I'm married, and I'm not going to, I can't hide this, but I, I loved her too. So I wanted to tell her these things, and I would be so scared to tell her. And so I'd, I'd walk and I'd say, you know, whatever it was where I'd messed up. And, uh, and I was like, she's going to kill me. She's going to kill me. She's going to judge me. She's going to kill me. And she just would turn to me and be like, hey, that's okay. I forgive you. And I'd be like, what? How is it possible? You know, how is it possible to receive such love from another person? Oh, my heart's restored. You want to fill me with such love. And then she'd be wise and go off and let, let what I did genuinely affect her in a place of forgiveness so that she can come back and she could tell me that that hurt. But it didn't have to come from a place now of, of condemnation and of you know, shame and of all those things that maybe in the world we had learned and picked up along the way. And it, it astonished me that there could be this thing called grace and forgiveness and, and reconciliation, and it was true and it was real. So I understand why sometimes we don't want the Lord to expose our hearts. And I can understand sometimes why we don't want to allow God to expose our hearts. Because there is, there is the gift that you guys have of being sovereign. You're made in his image. And you can't turn away from God. You can't close your heart to God. You, you can say, no, God, you, you cannot come into my garden. I, I will not let you into this place. That's possible. You guys know you can do that. You, you, know, you, can, you can turn from him, even if he's revealing himself plainly to you. We know this because that's exactly what Judas did. We know this because the, the other thief on the cross, he didn't turn to Jesus in the end. We know that there are plenty of instances where you know, maybe you have friends that, that you, you showed them such love and yet they still walk away. So we know that it's possible for people to turn aside from the Lord. And we're going to get to that in a few chapters in Hebrews. So you actually have that, that gift to give to the Lord daily of whether or not you're going to open yourself up to him today. And so when you do that, this is why it's so important to you know that everything that you do is out of your freedom. 
you are, you are not constrained. You do not have to do this. Every time you therefore do that, it is a gift to God. We, we, we give to him gifts. We give to him sacrifices. When you guys open yourselves up to God, it is a tremendous gift to him. And he counts it as such. He does not think it lightly for you to let him into your heart and bring his word into places where you felt ashamed or afraid. That is commendable from the Lord. He is pleased with that when you do that. You guys want to know how to please God? This is one way to do this. You open up your heart to him. You, You trust him in that place. In the same way that I was afraid to come to Elizabeth and confess my sin, yet I did so out of love for her, the Father sees this as an act of great love to him when you open up your heart and share with them things that you might think are uglier or not, not like him. It's an act of tremendous devotion to him. And so one of the best things you can do throughout your day is continuously open up your heart to him and ask, Lord, search me. Let your words speak into my heart. Let me know you. Let, I, want, I want you to know me in that place. It, that's one of the best things that you can do throughout your day. And we do it throughout our day. It's one of the, the highlights of our day. It's one of the ways that you can become transformers in our city because it all actually starts with this. Out of that place, we become more holy. You know, if, if, uh, if you're anything like me and there's certain days where you just feel a little bit slimy or a little bit dirty, maybe even you have like a bad dream and you wake up in the morning and you just kind of feel gross or, or maybe you, you, you're condemning yourself because you wish you could have said that a little bit kinder over here and you didn't quite do it. There's a thousand reasons why throughout our day, or maybe you're watching something on television, they say something off color, and you're like, ugh, I feel bad about that. You know, there's a lot of reasons why we'll feel these things at times. In this, the greatest gift that you can give to yourself, and, and, and I think to the Lord, is to open up and say, Lord, I, I feel dirty with this. I feel impure. Please forgive. Would I, I turn away from these things. I, I need to receive afresh again your purity, your, your blamelessness, your righteousness. And he delights to give that to you. You don't have to wait until you come to church to do that. You don't have to wait until you confess that to a priest, heaven forbid, that uh, you can do that. You can do that anytime you want to, throughout your days and all the times. Because it's important for you to experience holiness. Like we are holy because we have communion with Jesus. That's, That's for certain. But we grow in holiness by receiving that cleanliness, and then walking out different behavior. If I heard something on a television show that made me feel that way, maybe out of that holiness, I don't need to watch that show anymore. Maybe I don't need to speak these things like this way to another person. That makes me feel kind of grungy when I'm, when I'm saying this. And, and so then after a while, we begin to live a lifestyle that begins to cultivate that purity and cultivate that holiness because it feels fantastic to do so. It's, it's delightful to be in holiness. Jesus was the holiest person that ever walked on this earth. And sinners loved him. And so if you're walking in holiness, you actually become more attractive to people, especially people that need to know what the light is like. Holiness is therefore a delightful thing. You know, shutting off the screens or going to certain places and changing the way that you speak about certain things, certainly living differently than the rest of the world was, that that eventually becomes to you this infilling sense of joy, of of light, because you're going through this process of displaying the word of God in you and exchanging the old for the new constantly. 
Holiness feels amazing. And as you guys continue to walk in it, you'll grow stronger in the Lord. The new life and the new wine will flow in and out of you so strongly that people will become affected by your life. And then they get to know Jesus through you. And you won't even know how or why at times. Your communion with God will deepen through this holiness. I know in the, the past, maybe you've had uh, bad conceptions of holiness just because there's holiness preachers or holiness revivals, and it seems like hellfire, and it seems strong, and it seems like you, know, you, know, you have to live a certain lifestyle, otherwise you're not being holy before God. That's not at all what I'm talking about like this. If you're young in the faith, and you're you know, living a, a lifestyle that, that others might not, you're living the lifestyle that, that you know, uh, you're living the lifestyle of where Jesus wants you to be right now. Let me just put it that way. Until he begins to convict you and show you that, hey, there's better, way, better options out there, don't judge yourself and don't let others judge you either. You know, continue to walk out out of this restful, beloved union life that you have with God, your holiness with God at the pace that you want to with him and the Holy Spirit's leading you to do. And again, the Holy Spirit does lead us past our comfort zones. And so he knocks on our door. He does it often. And oftentimes it feels uncomfortable. But out of a place of rest, opening up your heart and feeling the belovedness, let him be the one to guide you into these new places. And that's a gift that you have to offer to him. And so the, the life that we have in Jesus, this idea that the table is set before him and Jesus serves us. Reed and I were talking about this week. As he serves us, we are to experience more and more of his cleansing throughout the week. And, and so let him serve you. Let him be the one that opens the door of your own heart if you're having trouble with that. There's a lot more to say about this. I'm just going to land it uh, so that we can experience communion because I do feel like he wants to minister to us in a bit. Um, as, as Christians, one of the things that we can do a better job in, I believe, is to be a place where people can be brave with their confessions. Um, in the same way that there's been many times over the course of my marriage with Elizabeth where she has been a place where I've gathered courage and strength because she offered me grace and forgiveness instead of condemnation, anger, and fear. Uh, we can do that with one another and create a community where people can become mighty in the Lord because we can confess our weaknesses, our sins to one another and have the refreshing of the Lord continuously in our lives to grow and to grow and to grow. But if you're anything like me, you also have experienced the opposite of that, where you have confessed the sin to somebody and they've bitten your head off. You said, hey, listen, I, I'm so sorry I did this. And then they condemn you for it. Or they became angry with you for it. And they increased your shame and increased your fear. That does happen at times. And, and I've done those things before. <laughs> and so sometimes we're going to mess up that process. When we do, because this is such a holy process, we want to be really quick to help repair when that happens. We want to be a people that when we acknowledge that, hey, listen, I, I, probably, I probably came out too critical or I came off too harsh to you. We want to be quick to tell the other person, I'm so sorry for that. Because we, that, the other person, they, they shared with us what was holy to us. And, and that's, that's our garden. That's our temple location. That's where the Lord dwells. And we've been condemned for exposing that. We have a hard time now opening that place up again to anybody else. And so as Christians, as, especially for people in this community, I want us to be those who allow people more and more to open up their hearts and receive forgiveness, receive grace, receive compassion, receive these things. 
so that you can be courageous to share, yeah, th this is on my heart, this is happening, I don't like for this to happen. The only way for us to grow in holiness, to become more like Jesus, is actually first to receive grace and forgiveness in that place where we're not like him yet. And then out of that, we can actually have grace to overcome the sin that maybe was entangling us so easily before. But if we're condemned for it, then it's hard to receive grace, and we stay stuck in those patterns. And that's not where we want to end up. Uh, so, you know, in the example for Elizabeth and I, there are times when someone tells you that they've hurt you, and they're confessing this. And I know it, it, in this conversation, you know, the, the ideal would be to go, bless you, and I, I forgive you, and, and, and it warms my heart that you would say this, and I, I honor, I honor your, your courage to show me these things, and, and, and I, I want to restore you. And that sounds wonderful, and, and maybe you can get there sometimes, and we will get there at times. Sometimes we just react, but, but all times, you're also going to have to feel the hurt that that does cause you. And I'm not trying to displace that at all. And so you forgive the person, and you might want to say, I need some time with this. I, I want you to know that I am, I am anchoring my heart in grace and mercy and forgiveness to you. And I want my countenance to, to show you that. I'm not there yet. And so give me some time with the Lord where I can receive from him healing, comfort, whatever it might be. And then in a safe way, in a, in a brave way, share with you, Hey, that, that hurts, that, that you did that. Um, I'm not condemning you. I'm just telling you that it hurts so that we can restore our relationship and grow past that. So let's talk about now some steps that we can move together with as we grow past this thing in our relationship in this life. And so this becomes a, a better pattern than maybe what we've been used to and how we talk about sin in our relationships. Because we do want to have relationships where we can easily confess sin and have a hopeful expectation that there will be reconciliation and restoration in the process as opposed to condemnation and judgment. Because we have been given a great high priest who has experienced these things, knows exactly what it's like to other people, and then restore us as well. And so that's what we're aiming at in this and as a community. And it might take some time in counseling. It might take some time in other sessions for us to more, more like parse that out. But I just want to present that to you as a, as a helpful model for how we do relationship together in this community. How does that sound? Always when we preach, we preach the ideal, but we pastor and we counsel with the mess. And so I put the ideal before you, acknowledging that it's going to be messy along the way. But I want you guys to know what the ideal would be, and it's him. He's already given this to us. So let's pray, and then we'll eat together.